Well, I've enjoyed the videos that people have posted around the eight o'clock noise and the joyful kind of celebration idea that was, you know, pushed pretty hard as the, like the city thought they could rally folks around it. People screaming weird, unintelligible, <laughs> <laughs> somewhat joyous, maybe frightened sounds from their apartments. That's, uh, that's pretty signature Capitol Hill kind of stuff, <laughs> and right, right in our wheelhouse. Hello friends, my name is Egan O'Ryan and this is A Light in the Dark, a show about hope and humanity in the midst of one of our darkest hours. Today is Tuesday, April 14th, 2020, and I'm broadcasting from the original epicenter of the American pandemic in Seattle, Washington. Every day I'll bring you a brief update on the global pandemic and what's happening where I live. The show is principally about us humans and how we're responding to the crisis. At some point, Whether it be days or weeks or months, we will get to the other side of this. In the meantime, there will be a lot of darkness, but we, we friends, must be the light in the dark to get us through and beyond the crisis. So today's show is going to be a short and sweet one. We're going to be talking to a local blog, the Capitol Hill blog which is a cherished institution uh, here in the Capitol Hill and surrounding uh, neighborhoods in Seattle, Washington. We just want to get a sense for what it's been like for local journalists to cover the coronavirus. And it's been sort of a slow-moving train, so it's been different at different stages. And uh, what stories they found interesting, what, what's been challenging about it, and how the coverage is going to change as these stay-at-home orders and essential worker orders are loosened up. And so we'll be talking with Justin Carter, who's the publisher of the Capitol Hill blog. But first, as we do every day, uh, let's go through the numbers of the global pandemic. Up to this point, there have been 1,990,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus in the world. There have been 125,000 deaths. And of those who had COVID-19, 466,000 have made a full recovery from active infection. In the country-by-country numbers, the U.S. had its biggest death total in the last 24 hours uh, of any day since this crisis began with uh, 2,214 souls who lost their lives for a total of 25,854 deaths altogether. It looks like uh, Spain is recovering from its outbreak a little faster than Italy. It did start a little later, so maybe the uh, the, the top line of that was always going to be a little bit lower. But Spain had 300 new deaths in the last day. While Italy, the, the model suggested that Italy should be around 200 deaths a day right now, but is at 602 for the last day. Uh, France also having a significant uh, death toll of 762. And uh, one bit of data that's really been uh, interesting lately, and I know we look at these numbers and we can be dispassionate about it because they're just numbers, but just to remind everyone, these are real people's lives and there's a lot of suffering going on out there. But if you look at the data for Sweden and Norway, right next to each other, very similar standards of living. 
and similar types of government, similar policies. But in Sweden, they didn't issue a stay-at-home order very quickly. And in Norway, they did right away. And the difference is stark. In Sweden, uh, you've seen 114 deaths uh, with a, an increasing curve that's just going through the, the roof. Whereas in Norway, you see five new deaths in the last day. So there's a stark difference, and it's really all about when those measures are put in place to stop the spread of the virus. If you need one example as to the effectiveness of those orders of physical distancing and stay-at-home orders, look no further than Sweden and Norway to demonstrate that. All right, in my uh, neck of the woods, we're just continuing to have uh, great weather. Uh, there was an expectation by the end of last week that our local farmer's markets were going to be allowed to reopen, but just under different circumstances where they allow only a certain amount of people to come in at a time, and they, they have all the, the hygiene needs really amped up for the markets. But uh, the mayor's office decided at the last minute that she didn't want to see the farmer's markets open this last weekend. Uh, so I know that the organizations that run those farmer's markets are really working hard with King County Public Health and the mayor's office in order to get those open. So hopefully we're going to have news in the, in the coming, coming days uh, about that. All right, so on to the show. Uh, today we are going to be welcoming uh, someone who is well known around Capitol Hill. He has been covering news for a number of years in the Capitol Hill neighborhood and beyond. Uh, initially, I did invite a number of different reporters from the Seattle area and some uh, on the East Coast to participate. But, uh, you know, I find that Reporters like to interview, but don't like to be interviewed. And plus, this is a very busy period uh, for news and everyone's having to adapt to not being out in public and interviewing in person. And so I think it's a very busy time. But I welcome uh, all reporters who I invited and any beyond that, in fact, who want to come on the show and talk about how their reporting has changed, what some of the challenges and opportunities of reporting during COVID-19. I'd love to chat with you. All right, so let's get to our guest. All right, our guest on the show today is the publisher of a very, very popular local blog to where I live. It's the Capitol Hill blog at CapitolHillSeattle.com, and I'd like to welcome to the show Justin Carter. Welcome, Justin. Thanks. Hey, so, you know, I, I follow the, the blog fairly religiously, so I've seen the content on the blog change over time. And I guess for you, this has probably impacted you in a couple of different, different ways, the coronavirus uh, crisis. The first would be just be on, on, on coverage. When did it start to be obvious to you that most of your coverage was going to be on the coronavirus? Uh, was it, was it slow or did it happen overnight? What did that look like? There's many things that have played out really slowly. I do think the transition to kind of where this was, uh, forced its way into the daily news uh, did kind of happen all at once. And that, that came really right after the, the weekend with the, uh, where the first 
presumed positive case uh, came uh, in, in King County. And ever since, it feels like you're missing something to not include uh, COVID-19 issues and everything that we are reporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I would I would imagine, I want to go back to your current reporting in just a minute, but I can imagine another way that this is impacting you is probably in in advertising, right? Are you, do you have some faithful advertisers that have stuck it out so that, that the, the blog can continue on? What's that, what's the lay of the land there? Yeah, no, I mean, we definitely lost uh, advertising revenue. The good news is that we had accelerated efforts years ago, actually, to start changing the way that the, the business works. So we have a lot of subscribers and uh, it's a pay-what-you-can news environment. So in some ways, it's kind of like, I don't know, busking for news or those kinds of things. But, <laughs> but people pay anywhere from a dollar to 10 Some We have some subscribers that are quite generous, uh, around uh, $20 a month. And through a kind of a, a hodgepodge collection of community members, business owners, and interested uh, expatriates, uh, <laughs> we have enough enough money to help pay reporters to uh, continue to cover everything here in the neighborhood. All right. And, and just for full disclosure, I am one of those subscribers. Thank uh, you for reading <laughs> and thanks for your support. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for, for all you do for the community. It's really for those of us that live in or around Capitol Hill, the Capitol Hill blog is really an indispensable source of news for us. So tell me a little bit about the, the current coverage. I mean, it seems like, you more or less have back-to-back COVID-19 and crime stories with like every 20th, <laughs> 20th story being something totally different, right? Like the Sound Transit relabeling its, um, its lines the other day. That was, which is really interesting and got a lot of traction. Sure. Sure. Uh, sure. I mean, honestly, everything's a COVID-19 story now. It, it, it's impossible. Even, even, you know, I think we had a crime story the other day where suspect happened to be wearing a, a, a surgical face mask. So it's, it's in every story we do right now. Yeah. I, you know, I've been thinking about that, that, I mean, not to give any uh, ideas to you criminals <laughs> out there, but this seems like it would be a really good time <laughs> to be a criminal because even if you're caught on camera, for example, they won't be able to ID you. Sure. But on the other hand, uh, everybody out there looks like Batman right now. So, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, uh, mass vigilantes on the street too. Watch out. <laughs> hey, uh, what are you personally seeing when you're out and about? How has life changed for you and in your your neighborhood uh, since the stay-at-home order uh, began? I, I live in kind of an intertidal zone of Capitol Hill, kind of between a real leafy kind of suburban uh, single-family home area and then the, uh, the thicker, uh, more densely populated apartment areas. So in this area... You know, I mean, it is it is a ghost town at times, but it's sometimes surprisingly busy with families and neighbors walking the streets and uh, trying to get outside and move around. And there's still a couple of restaurants in, in this particular area over here by 19th Avenue East that continue to serve. So um, we see some commerce even going on in, in busy times at the uh, cafes and the coffee shops. Um, there's all these drone videos flying around of, uh, from, I think even the downtown, uh, chamber, uh, put out a, uh, kind of very sci-fi looking desolate streets of Seattle look at the, the city and, uh, 
and they're dramatic and very interesting, but they're not exactly honest. A lot of these videos seem to be shot kind of at times where there's just nobody on the streets. And my experience going around Capitol Hill is that's just never happening here. And maybe downtown is completely different, but I've even been down there a few times and I'm still seeing bodies moving around. Now it's not the same, but this idea that we are in a sci-fi kind of lockdown is not accurate. It's it's a weird, busy kind of people on the street kind of lockdown where folks are on errands and getting things done, wearing masks and quiet and not quite as, you know, it's not vibrancy, but it, the, the science fiction version of Seattle is, is maybe a little overly dramatic. This is, this, these are quiet times, but they're still busy times. And, and just so that our listeners uh, know, I, I, I live sort of adjacent to where Justin lives with his family and I see him walking his dog out and about. So those of us that are dog walkers, we get to really see what's going on at several different points in the day. Whereas those that are truly staying inside, you know, maybe they'll get out once a day and that'll be their snapshot, but we get to see it all at different times of the day. So there's some walks that I see that it's desolate and I'm like, wow, really, people are taking this very seriously, just staying at home all the time. And then other times, it's just I can't get six feet away from people fast enough that I'm constantly going out into the street. So uh, it's definitely a, a mixed bag. So we've we've passed the peak, according to most of the scientific uh, data here in, in Washington, most likely here in King County. So I think that this next phase of when do restrictions start to get eased? I think we're going to start to see more talk about that. You know, we've all been very compliant for the most part. We're an obedient kind here in the Seattle area, but I think people are, you know, feeling cooped up and, and waiting for what's next. How is, how is this next phase going to change the reporting that goes on at the Capitol Hill blog? Um, I wish I was so strategic, but honestly, I'm pretty reactionary as far as how I've always run my coverage. It, it helps to have news that's pretty fresh. I uh, start making things too early and it goes bad. So you know, in lots of ways, I'm just kind of waiting to react to what comes next. Though I do find myself uh, as an editor being able to look ahead a little more. And so there is a little more forward looking, though the real limitation of anything really forward looking right now is so many of the officials either don't know or aren't really willing to talk out loud about some of the things that they expect to come next. So the reporting can be pretty, um, pretty thin. It can be a lot of, you know, uh, statements that pretend heavy things, but really it, we all don't really know. Like we wrote a story around cities and their budgets and state in the budget and the, the transit agencies and their budgets. And the, you know, they're really, the headline takeaway of the whole thing is nobody knows. And, you know, at some point you have to wonder uh, what news value you're really bringing to that kind of a story. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think that the long and short of it, particularly when you're talking about budgets and, and jobs and small businesses, is that it doesn't look very good. And it's going to take a while sure. to, to dig out of this. And so it's the, probably going to be a story that goes on for years for you. Yeah, the economic impact would be be terrible. I do think one of the interesting things I'm kind of looking forward to cover in a kind of a nerdy kind of way is the the iterative relaxation of restrictions and how they choose what, when, and how much money drives that and such. It'll be interesting to see as they kind of 
all right, now we remove this gate and now uh, of life. You know, like suddenly parks will be open differently and, and what restaurants or bars and how they open them. Those, those kinds of strategies, it's all about human lives and jobs from a journalistic standpoint. It's like a time machine. All of a sudden, these really big changes are going to happen really quickly. And so from that, it would be a real big challenge, but a really interesting thing to document, I think. Yeah, you just said the, the the word time travel, and you know, I was I was walking on Broadway the day before the restaurants uh, were shut down for in person service, and I, I remember walking along Broadway and seeing some places just packed for brunch, and I just I just had the the feeling I don't know if I knew what was coming next. No one can really know what's coming next, but that that was all going to change. That seems like this other world and it's probably going to be a while until it's like that again uh, anyway i just i thought of that because you said the word time travel i sort of felt like i was this time traveler like going back to germany in 1932 and saying you people have no idea what's coming next and it's and it's there not gonna be very some fun folks, some folks seem to be uh what was it uh, billy pilgrim from uh, uh slaughterhouse five some folks do seem to be unstuck in time at this point i uh be nice to everybody and help them get through it is, it is difficult to find your bearings right now yeah no absolutely has there been uh, one story one specific story that you covered during the whole COVID 19 thing that stands out to you that was a surprise or that you know brought brought a smile to your face or just something that inspired you well i've enjoyed the videos that people have posted around the eight o'clock noise and the joyful kind of celebration idea that was, you know, pushed pretty hard as the, like the city thought they could rally folks around it. I, I don't know if it really caught on in all neighborhoods, like in some of the more quiet neighborhoods, it's weird to go out on your porch and yell at eight o'clock, but it's, it's this weird, real fitting celebration for a place like Castle Hill. People screaming weird, unintelligible, <laughs> <laughs> somewhat joyous, maybe frightened sounds from their apartments. That's uh, that's pretty signature Capitol Hill kind of stuff, saying <laughs> right right in our wheelhouse. So um, those are my favorite because you know I don't get to be out in all parts, and, and so you can kind of tell them of different parts of the neighborhood just by the sounds, and you listen it's like, oh that. That sounds a lot like Summit and uh, and what you think of it and all of its all of its glory. So I like those. Uh, you know, there's just the weird weird things that amuse me. Uh, the idea that the first kill streetcar somehow still exists and <laughs> runs through all of this <laughs> is is amusing and interesting and kind of sad and funny to me. And you know, so we've enjoyed those. I, you know, I feel so disconnected to some of the, the real elements of the story around the illness and the death. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people do. That. Yeah, we've covered those with numbers and statistics and charts and graphs. And and I don't know, I don't know what part I've missed there, and what part we've all missed there. The, the obituaries and those kinds of things um, haven't really happened here. I think I think in the zip codes covering Capitol Hill, I've I've been able to find out about about five COVID-19 related deaths mm. um, only. And, you know, I, but I, I do think those stories are there. I um, mean, uh, there's probably a couple of really important ones to tell. Um, and maybe over time we'll get to hear some of those. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's one thing that this is such a weird time for everyone. And then when people's loved ones die or someone from their community dies, 
how do you mourn that? You can't have a memorial service in, in person. You can't have a, a proper funeral. And so it just stacks weird on top of weird. Um, I think it really hit home for me. It was fairly early in the process that the owner of the Leshai uh, market died. And I know that he was so beloved. And that's not Capitol Hill, but it's sort of Capitol Hill adjacent. And um, I know that there's lots of stories out there. And I, I hope the stories uh, get told either by the blog or the Seattle Times and and that we make sure to, to talk about what we've lost because it's not just about us losing you know, our relative freedom to go about in the day. I mean, some people have lost their lives, their loved ones, um, really valuable community members. Yeah, no, I, I, and I'm, I imagine that with time we will learn more of those stories. And, you know, I mean, in, at their starkest, they should be reminders of what we need to make sure we don't come around to again. I do think that, you know, not to put a cloud over it, uh, but there is there is the horizon. As much hope as there is right now that numbers have improved those things, but we really do need to think about um, the next year and, and whether we go through something like this again uh, and how to, how to avoid those kinds of things. And so that'll be something else that um, will be on my mind a lot as I'm uh, deciding and trying to figure out what, what to tell people about uh, the neighborhood. Yeah, no, very good. Yeah, people need to realize that it's not a sprint. It's a it's a marathon with the COVID-19 uh, outbreak. Hey, um, we are about to wrap up the interview, but I wanted to ask before um, I hung up with you, What's one thing on Capitol Hill that you're looking forward to doing that you can't do now once this is all over? Um, the simplest answer is just sitting at a bar. But specifics on that are, you know, I mean, I some of my, I'm lucky that I get to kind of go to these places at, at, at my own time. Um, not necessarily when everybody else is there at, you know, nine o'clock on a Friday night. So it'll probably be... Um, some of my favorite hangouts with my laptop, uh, working in a very normal moment <laughs> with a drink. Seems to be, that would be, I would just like that kind of normalcy again, as far as the hill goes. I mean, there's so many things as far as human contacts and things like sports leagues and those kinds of things. The idea that I would like to also play the yeah. sports I enjoy again, yeah. but, um, on the hill, on the hill, the idea of sitting there and, uh, and being back to work in a more normal setting and enjoying the, 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 things that we create here that's what i'm looking for and what's your drink of choice <laughs> oh i'm i'm not fussy give it give me give me something uh, like an old-fashioned or something like that something <laughs> something simple no i don't want any fancy glasses <laughs> oh, very good all right uh justin thanks so much for uh spending some time on the light in the dark today i appreciate you uh you you uh, calling in and we'll uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see you around the hood all right thanks for having me all right thank you it was Justin Carter, the publisher of the Capitol Hill blog, a cherished local institution that is still up and running and doing regular reporting during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks, Justin, for, for all you do for the community. You are truly a light in the dark. All right, folks, that does it for another episode of Light in the Dark. Kept it short and sweet today. Give you more time to uh, get onto Netflix or get into that next Zoom call or to start working on uh, on dinner or eating dessert or getting to bed. Take your pick. And we'll be back tomorrow 
because if it's a day ending in Y, there is an episode of A Light in the Dark waiting for you. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay at home, keep six feet away from people if you have to go out in public, and please wear a mask. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.